Thank you for joining us. The Dacus Report is on the air to defend your religious freedom, your parental rights, and other civil liberties. And now, with the latest information, is your host, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. On today's show, we're going to uh, interview our attorneys to talk about a number of cases. Uh, to, to help me talk about those, uh, I want to bring on our first attorney, uh, who is someone who I tr- highly respect, who heads up the office there in Washington State, attorney Tracy Tribbett. Uh, Tracy, welcome to the program. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure. Well, I'm glad to have you on the, on the program, and I know you're involved in so much. Uh, let's start off talking about the class action lawsuit that's about to be filed uh, on behalf of firefighters who do not want to have to take the the, the, the vaccine uh, dealing the dealing with COVID. Um, what's going on there, and and what happened to those firefighters to warrant this kind of of a response by the Pacific Justice Institute? Right. Um, In King County, which is in the greater Seattle area, over 50 firefighters were fired from their jobs, some of whom had about 20 years of service. And the way in which Washington is instituting the vaccine mandate, our governor, as well as the mayor of King County, has stated that religious exemptions will be allowed. But what we are finding is that in um, the application of this, people are being allowed their religious exemption from the vaccination, but the employer on the back end is then denying any accommodations. And what they're stating is that the unvaccinated person poses too much of a risk for them to be able to be in their job. What they're not doing is even giving the re- requested accommodation any um, thought or consideration. None of the letters that people received or in even any of the discussions were the masks and the testing and the efficacy thereof, none of that was discussed. They were just, you could tell that they were legally advised the ways in which they could get around the um, implementation of an unvaccinated employee based on the undue burden um, standard, which is not much of a standard standard at all. It's very um, nebulous. And so we're... Yeah. Now, Tracy, it seems to me sort of problematic for the government to say there's an undue burden when in reality, firemen have been operating just fine in the past right. without the vaccine. When the pandemic was going, they wore masks, they had safety protocol procedures. And now suddenly they're saying it's an undue burden. Suddenly they, they can't operate when they were proven to be able to operate before. I see that as a a bait and switch argument that that really uh, is devoid of logic. Indeed, the hypocrisy is evident on its face. Everything that our clients are asking for is everything that they were already being afforded and which was used to ensure that there was literally zero transmission rates amongst the King County uh, EMS and firefighters from firefighters to any clients or from clients Uh, or patients to any firefighters or EMS workers. In fact, there was a study done by a doctor out of UW showing how low the risk of transmission was when the PPE was used. And this is the very same um, accommodation that has already been given that they are asking for into a continuum. It's not a great cost burden, nor does it make their job um, any more difficult to do. They've already been doing this for over a year. Now, I understand that the governor for the state of Washington uh, who is not looked upon as a uh, a major First Amendment uh, advocate, <laughs> to say the least, 
or, yes, or, relig- or, or pro-religious freedom. Uh, yet, uh, you know, she has apparently, you know, publicly made it, had the position, as I understand it, that uh, she's in favor of accommodations. But when in reality, what we're actually seeing is, is employers saying, no, uh, there's an undue burden, undue burden. Uh, how widespread is this strategy being implemented by, by employers? And are we looking at just uh, the government sector that's doing this, uh, this ruthless um, you know, application of undue burden? Or are we also looking at the private sector doing this as well? No, this is systemic, and it seems to be germane to Washington state in particular. What we have found is that even the federal employers, the federal contractors, they are all using this uh, method of denial, if you will, private companies, um, agencies in the state of Washington at the local level. And again, it tends to trend uh, based on politics. If you're in a blue county, then you're going to get denied. A lot of our red counties have been approved for exemptions, which also just shows the hypocrisy here. They can be accommodated. The accommodations work. And since the beginning of this, masks have been touted as you know the gold standard of keeping people safe. That's all our clients are asking for, Brad. Wow. Uh- what about the what about those out there who have already had COVID? All right. Mm-hmm. So and they have the antibodies, they can show they have the antibodies. Uh, how are they being treated there in Washington State? Are they being allowed to be given the same uh, afford the same afforded the same rights as those who've had the vaccine, considering the fact that the evidence shows that they have actually a stronger and broader immunity and less transmission mm-hmm. than someone who's had a vaccine? Indeed, all medical logic has gone right out the window. That argument has not even been being entertained. Uh, They're stating that even with natural immunity, it is a must for a person to be vaccinated, which many studies show that that can put a person in greater harm um, of the vaccinated individuals. Their immunity wears off after a, a length of time. That is not the case with natural immunity that God gave us. And I think that parlays under the religious exemption as well, that God gave us immune systems. If we have natural immunity, then we can rely on that in faith. Yeah, that that really bothers me so much because the studies are so clear. I think on our website, uh, we have uh, an index of 91 studies that mm-hmm. validate the fact that those who've had COVID have a stronger, deeper, broader immunity than those who've had this narrow vaccine. Uh, those are one of the vaccines that are available for uh, for the COVID virus. Um, it also they also show that they have stronger uh, effects, ramifications uh, if they have the vaccine and they already have the natural immunity. And we already know over seven hundred thousand people have had serious, serious side effects from getting the vaccine. Oh, you know that's huge, and uh, over six yeah, and over sixteen thousand have died, Tracy. So, you know, we see that that uh, that the, the vaccine has inherent risks. We know that the those who've had the COVID and have the uh, the auto, the natural immune system, they have the protection, and they're also even less in terms of transmission. Those who had to have the vaccine, they have about a five percent transmission rate. Those who have a natural immunity, they have a real actual immunity. Yes. I mean, yeah, this makes no astounding. sense. No sense at all. In fact, what we have uh, seen amongst our firefighters is that those with natural immunity have not had any breakthrough cases, whereas there have been many and multiple fire departments that have had breakthrough cases with the vaccinated. And, you know, that argument just belays the untruth that is underlying in 
these, you know, vaccine individuals are the safest and unvaccinated are unsafe. This is simply not true based on science, based on reason, based on logic. Now, the casualties have already been very high in terms of those losing their jobs, uh, as I understand in Washington. What are we looking at? Um, are we looking at a few dozen people who've lost their jobs from these agencies uh, that are implementing these kind of policies? Well, how, how voluminous Right. Are the um, are those who are suffering because of these policies? Uh, from a state agency position, it's thousands, thousands of people. Um, DSHS, DCYF, those are the mental health and then the um, you know, foster care services in our state. You can only imagine the number of children who now are going to be left without any kind of services. Department of Transportation, we're coming up on winter here in Washington. There's an area that where the entire department of the Department of Transportation employees quit. That leaves an entire town and range of a pass in Washington unable to plow um, and, and I think lockdown. Okay, here we go. You're back. You you were speechless right. there for a few seconds. <laughs> so, and, uh, yeah, I mean it's been in the thousands and in the hundreds, and that doesn't even include the uh, medical employees, uh, nurses, doctors, pharmacists, individuals of that nature across Washington. Anywhere from ten to twenty thousand in total, I would say that now our state and our resources are without the talent of these individuals, and not only their talent, but God's blessing. Because these are faith-based individuals. Yeah, I think that's a really important point you just made. These are predominantly faith-based individuals that are losing their jobs. Mm -hmm. And to me, that breaks my heart because mm -hmm. they're not people who just have this you know, radical anti-government, anti-vaccine attitude. These are people mm -hmm. who've really thought this through. They've prayed it through. They've sought God direction, God's direction on it. I know our website, pji.org, has incredible resources that many of them already have utilized to help them file for a religious exemption, um, to also get a counsel about even medical exemptions. So uh, it's it, it, it really does break my heart. Unfortunately, Washington State is, is definitely not alone. And this is something people need to be praying for, um, praying for those people who have so much on the line. Uh, I was on the phone today uh, giving counsel to a, a medical doctor mm -hmm. who uh, is told that He's going to lose his job, even though he's had COVID, has a very high level of antibodies, has a letter from his, his doctor telling him not to get the vaccine. And the company's third party, you know, that's worked out to analyze these, just gave a right. flat denial, didn't even say why. So yeah, you have doctors, you know, who we are supposed to trust in their judgment, who are not being allowed to exercise their judgment and their care. Um, it's it's a tragedy. Yeah, it really is. And the, the fatalities are real. The, mm. the people who've died are real. Those who've had serious long-term ramifications are in the hundreds of thousands. So this is, um, it's a, it's an interesting time we live in. You can't, people can't deny the spiritual dimension of this. You can't explain it without recognizing there's a spiritual dimension of this. Logic and reasoning it doesn't explain this. And it's, it's sad because of the high casualties we're talking about. Uh, let's, let's shift it a little bit to talk about a very important uh, preacher case. I understand there's a gentleman, a Meineke, uh, yes. he's preaching the gospel in, uh, in Olympia. Uh, what happened? Yeah, uh, our client, Mr. Meineke, was in Olympia on the public grounds there in Heritage Park, and there were two sort of groups of 
not even organized protesters. One group was Antifa, the other were Trump supporters, and Mr. Meineke was back and forth preaching the gospel and the good news. And the Antifa group literally uh, assaulted him and began throwing things at him, pushing him, shoving him, um, so much so that he had to flee across the street. And ironically, he was arrested for disrupting a legal public gathering as a disorderly conduct charge. And keep in mind, he was the one who was assaulted here, and then he was charged. This is the the state of things in Washington, where yeah. good is bad and bad is good. Yeah. So he's preaching the gospel. This mob of Antifa thugs, uh, yes. they uh, they attack him. Mm -hmm. um, he's fleeing, and he is the one who is charged. Are those Antifa, of uh, you know, cr criminal? violent people are they with any of them charged i assume they were all charged for the violence they no. committed no no one was charged from their group and what you have here is a heckler's veto where the police feared antifa and they were trying actually beforehand to coax mr meineke away from this crowd told him to stay away he refused to his passion for the gospel is so strong that he um, is willing to put himself in harm's way to get the message out there and as he did so the reaction you know from these no other way to say it than demonically possessed individuals was so strong that uh, he was bleeding. I mean, he was clearly the one being assaulted and the police, because they feared Antifa, and you can hear them yelling and jeering at them, they arrested Mr. Beinecke for disorderly conduct. And the irony here is that what he is charged with um, is uh, interrupting a lawful assembly. To have a lawful assembly, you're supposed to have a permit on these grounds if you've got a group of 75 or greater people. And this was upwards of 100 150 to 200, according to the reports, and no permits were issued that day. So we feel very um, strongly that Mr. Meineke char Meineke's charges will be dismissed. And yeah. that's great. News. Yeah, that's good news. But the police didn't do their job. The police <laughs> defended the thugs mm -hmm. engaging in violent activity. Uh, yeah. That disturbs me. What, what police department are we talking about here? Uh, it's the Olympia Police Department. Okay, so... The so the mm -hmm. police department there in Olympia, uh, you know, yeah. I, I tell you, that, that says something about the police in Olympia. I hope the whole department's not like that, but uh, well, they're, it, they're not it, winning many friends uh, when they when they engage in that kind of, uh, you know, chumming up to Antifa, the, the violent thugs that have caused so much violence and damage and uh, death and destruction. Uh, it's it's almost like they're, uh, you know, it, it, you know, in, in the same uh, realm of, of helping like the mafia. I mean, police yeah. are supposed to be against crime and against criminals, not against mm -hmm. people of faith, lovingly, caringly proclaiming and sharing the gospel. So I, I think he's got a, a, obviously I think he has a good case too. And I'm mm -hmm. glad that you're, uh, you're defending him. We're without charge, like all of our cases, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that uh, very, very much. And uh, I think it's a very important case. Another Indeed. important case uh, that uh, is up there in, in Washington state and is dealing with a Korean spa called the Olympus Olympus spa. And this is a Christian owned Korean spa mm -hmm. where you have the men on one side and the women on one, the other side. And I understand that, you know, Korean spas are such that, uh, that, you know, men don't wear clothes on their side. Women don't wear clothes on their side. There may be a towel or something, but, you're, you're pretty much exposing yourself uh, and it's a part of the Korean culture uh, with the way their spas work. And that's not really much of a problem unless you have a man wanting to go to the women's side. 
And I, I understand that's what this case is all about. Tell me more, please. Yes, indeed. Our clients received a notice of complaint from the Human Rights Commission, which is our uh, Washington version of the EEOC. They investigate any claims brought under the Washington law against discrimination. And keep in mind, this spa, you have to be fully, completely nude from basically the time you leave the locker room and when you enter into all of these other um, areas where you use the services. And this person complained that they were discriminated against and not allowed entry, which is false. We have all of the records that show um, sign-ins and who was present on these particular days that the alleged uh, discrimination took place. Nonetheless, this person complained, and they are a pre-operative transgender individual. So once their clothes are off, you would have no idea that this was you know, a quote-unquote woman, and this person is seeking entry to the spot. The more baffling thing is that even in light of um, the the position of our client being Christian and protecting, you know, the weakest amongst people, women would never uh, feel comfortable and secure in this environment. Not only would it be disastrous for the business, but it would be disastrous for a population base that is most at risk for abuse by putting a male with all male genitalia inside of an area where women are nude. It is completely untenable, but the Human Rights Commission sided with um, this person who complained. And so we are going to challenge that law. We did, um, within the context of agency proceedings, it is difficult to challenge any of their findings. So we are going to challenge the constitutionality of the application of the law to this particular spa. Yeah. It's, um, and it's important to note, I understand that, that uh, this man, this biological male who claims to have gender identity dysphoria, and he may have dysphoria, but, uh, he was given notice that there are women in the women's spa with their daughters. Mm -hmm. So he had full understanding and the overwhelming majority studies show the overwhelming majority of biological males who uh, have dys dysphoria, gender identity dysphoria, the overwhelming majority of them are still turned on by looking at women. Yes. So they're still sex attracted or. Yeah. You know, so, so what we're looking at is a situation where, you know, normally if a man exposes himself to a woman, that's mm -hmm. criminal. Um, right. And there's, it's criminal because there's a victim. The woman is victimized by suddenly being flashed by a man that she doesn't. Indecent exposure laws. Yeah, indecent, exactly. And then if a woman, if a man spies on a woman and, and, and a man sees a woman naked who she doesn't want to see, um, that's a criminal violation yes. because the woman is victimized so we have real, the law recognizes the victimization mm -hmm. and yet they want to ignore that in this circumstance for someone who claims to have a dysphoria. This is, I, I'm telling you, Tracy, this makes no sense, no sense whatsoever. Washington has lost its mind, so to speak. Uh, just when you turn, um, individuals are so selfish that they would not consider the weaker person, whatever is going on in this complainant's life. Despite that, the fact that they can't put themselves on hold and say, you know, this would probably make a lot of people uncomfortable. And so I'm not going to do this, even though I perceive it to be something where I'm being discriminated against. It didn't even enter into this complainant's mind that that they are superseding so many women, vulnerable women's rights. Yeah. Well, I understand you have some some good news about a settlement uh, yes. there in Washington state involving uh, an, an individual who was not vaccinated 
and mm -hmm. suffered because of it. What happened? Yes, we had a client who was fired from her job because she would not obtain the vaccine. And this was before the governor's mandate even came down. Uh, the employer decided that they were going to require all employees to be vaccinated. Our client sent an email stating that because of her religious faith and beliefs, she could not be vaccinated. And she was told that her last day would be on uh, a spe specified date and she was let go thereafter. And so we brought suit in uh, King County and we were able to secure for her a nice settlement, which will give her um, a little bit of cushion while she looks for a new job and able to make up for some of the, the loss associated with, you know, when people lose their jobs, it's more than just money. They right. lose uh, entire life that they had, friendships, and especially where there's so many people being ostracized for their beliefs. This was a win, albeit small, for our client that can help her in healing from this. Right. I understand that uh, there's also six firefighters in Pasco, Washington, that you have a good report on as well. What happened? Yes, we've had some great wins here in a local local to me area. Um, six firefighters were approved for their accommodations. We were able to sit in on their meetings and go through um, just some aspects of the accommodation process and the undue burden law. They were able to obtain their vaccination um, as, well, as well as many teachers and some other local employees. So it's really been great and heartening here in the Tri-Cities. Yeah, that's a great that's a great thing to note because uh People need to understand that uh, they have rights, and these firemen made their their case for religious exemption. Uh, they were reasonable with regard to accommodation. Uh, they prevailed. You know, Tracy, if it's not mandated by the government for someone to have a vaccine, uh, there is a a serious liability, isn't there, for an employer who decides not to grant an exemption? And in fact, even if they're mandated to require the vaccine, they're still looking at potential liability, aren't they, if they don't uh, recognize an exemption that uh, is requested that otherwise should have been granted, correct? Absolutely. Under Title VII, people are entitled to a religious accommodation. They're entitled to be able to be afforded this. And to have a constitutional right stripped from you, uh, there's no greater offense than not being able to practice one's religion freely, especially when it doesn't come at the expense of another. And the requested accommodation is not an undue burden on the employer. Right. And I, once again, I want to remind people we have incredible resources on our website to help people. Uh, we even have the Zoom call that's coming up that they can register for on our website, uh, pji.org, where we talk about these issues. Uh, this is so important. We're dealing with employers. We help employers who want to accommodate their employees, but are under the impression that they can't. Uh, we, we help employees who want to be accommodated. Uh, we help college students and uh, people in, in that regard, um, as well as military personnel and parents who want to protect their kids from being jabbed uh, while the child's at school. Uh, these mandates are coming down from a number of places like California. Other states are expected to follow suit. Uh, let's talk about the college students, though, for a moment. Uh, I understand that some colleges and universities have backed off on some of their intolerant policies with regards to vaccine mandates. What's going on? 
Yes, again, we had some great victories here in the middle of the state where a couple of different community colleges who were going to uh, disqualify and remove from the dental and nursing programs at their uh, uh, community colleges, they backed off of that stance and over 20 uh, in one instance and about 10 in another uh, students were able to continue on in their dental hygienist programs and in their nursing programs from these community colleges. I think that if the colleges really take a look at what is being asked and how they can accommodate with those requests, then you know amends can be made and people can continue on in the profession that they feel God has called them to. Right. Well, how, how's the, the big picture with regards to colleges, universities? Are students engaged in uh, having a lot of hardships uh, as a general rule uh, because of their their convictions, religious convictions, or medical uh, concerns regarding having the vaccine? Uh, how how overall how are things going in Washington State? I would have to say it's not going well, particularly for those who are involved in any kind of uh, medical, whether it's you know dental or otherwise um, at the universities. Uh, WSU, which is Washington State University, University of Washington, almost all of the private colleges, uh, really anything above a community college level who receives a great deal of federal funds, has predicated entry into these programs or continuing in the programs. Pacific Justice Institute invites you to join in the fight to protect our religious liberties. Consider volunteering in one of our California offices or become an affiliate attorney. Visit our website to find out more pji.org. And while you're there, subscribe to our Legal Insider to keep updated on all of our current cases. Pacific Justice Institute. Together, we can make a difference. So folks, there you have it. It's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brian Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms. Thank you for listening in today. To find out more about the Pacific Justice Institute or the Dacus Report, call 916-857-6900 or log on to pacificjustice.org.